you have your Bible, would you open them to Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 through 18. We want to get a different vision of Jesus today than, than we initially got of Jesus. A lot of people get real sentimental about the baby in the manger. And we should. What, what, condes- what how, how God condescended to come down and take on flesh and, and be a, born a helpless baby and be dependent on a teenage mother and a poor carpenter to take care of his physical being. Now, I know that God the Father was overseeing all of this, and, and he wasn't alone, but, but he was attended like any other helpless baby child was attended. God who created heaven and earth. The Bible said of Christ, there was nothing made that he did not make. You say, was he there at creation? Absolutely. Genesis chapter one, it says, let us make manage. Can you say man? So his steps, as the song said, didn't, didn't begin uh, in Bethlehem. And his steps did not end at Calvary. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. One of the titles of Jesus is a title that many people struggle with. The, he's, the Bible said these shall be his, his, his titles, his royal titles. He will be wonderful counselor. I don't really take wonderful and counselor and separate them. He's a wonderful counselor. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He, the mighty God. This is titles to Jesus now in the old covenant. The mighty God. He was God incarnate, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Can you say man? The, the Bible says, and I know we, we you know, the, the brain has a problem processing all of these things, but, but there's a whole lot that we can process and what we can, we need to. The scripture said that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And that's why his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So if you've got Jesus separated from the Father, the Father separated from Jesus, not in the sense of the way the Godhead operates, but as, as persons that are, are so different from one another, uh, you got it wrong. I and my Father are one. The works that I do, I'm not arbitrarily doing one thing and God's doing another. You know, some people see God as the strict disciplinarian driving uh, Adam and Eve out of the garden. They see Jesus as the merciful Savior, uh, welcoming the sinner and wanting to save them. They see God as the, the dis- harsh, hard disciplinarian in Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 I and my Father are one. There's a different dispensation in the new covenant that God through Christ and because of his sacrifice can show us grace and mercy. But it's the same God. It's the same God. Amen. Listen to me very carefully today. This concept of lowly Jesus, meek and mild is not what you need in this day fighting the formidable foes that we have to face. We need to know that Jesus, yes, he died on the cross as a sacrificed lamb. 
He was meek and he was lowly and he humbled himself in order to allow himself to be put on that cross. He was not a victim. He was a victor from the beginning and is a victor right now. So if you want to feel sorry for somebody, feel sorry for the devil and his angels who have no chance of salvation. I don't mean that they deserve anything. I'm saying I would hate I wouldn't want that on my very worst enemy, anybody to spend eternity in hell without any hope. No hope. In the book Dante's Inferno about hell, not a biblical thing, but but over the entrance to hell, there is a sign and it says, abandon all hope, all ye who enter here. Abandon all hope. If I ever wrote a book, two things would be in that book that I would make certain that I wanted people to know and leave it as a legacy. Whatever happened to heaven? To hear a message on heaven, you almost have to go to a funeral. That's where you hear your best message on heaven because the church has become so earthbound. It's all about getting a bigger house, driving a better car, living in a better neighborhood, sowing a seed to get as rich as the preacher is. Can you say, man, who's living in opulence more than anyone could possibly ask? That's the church of today. People are not looking for the soon coming of Jesus. I would ask that question along with it. Whatever happened to heaven and whatever happened to the soon coming of Jesus? Amen. Back in the 80s, it was the focus of all our Christian attention. The songs represented that Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom and trumpets will sound. Can you say, man, I can't wait to see Jesus. There was a spirit of holy expectancy. We lived in the light of the soon coming of Jesus. And the Bible said unto them that look, he shall appear. The second time without sin, not that he... It's, it's not reiterating his sinless state. It's saying when he comes in that coming, he's not coming to judge sin. And he's not coming to deal with sin. Amen. He's coming to take his church home. Hallelujah. This is not the second coming. This is not the second coming. When the, the second coming, amen, every eye is going to see him when he comes. And the whole world is going to mourn because he's coming back. Because he's going to judge. The judgment has been committed to the Son because it's the Son that has been rejected. And the Bible said if they perished under Moses, the law of Moses uh, that sinned, of how much sore punishment, suppose ye that they shall be worthy who have trodden underfoot the blood of the everlasting covenant. Amen. They didn't just deny him. They disrespected him. Amen. They rejected the cross and the one who hung on the cross and the blood of the cross. And the Bible said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. It wasn't to get people to join our club and send in the monthly offering. It was to get people to change destinies. Amen. To plunder hell and populate heaven so that people could be saved. And the passion and the compassion that preachers once had for the lost, it's not there now. 
and the lost are not trembling. When, Fe- when Paul preached, Felix trembled. He trembled. You know why he trembled? Because he was pondering where he's going to spend eternity. He, all- he was almost persuaded to receive Christ. And he said, go thy way. I will call you at a convenient time. The Bible says, no, you don't play with your eternal soul that way. This is the day of when you hear the gospel. Oh, you say, Brother Rimble, I ran for years. Well, you took a big risk. Can you say, man, you're taking a terrible, terrible risk? Because if something happened to you while you're running from God, you, may, you won't have the opportunity to run back to him. Can you say, man, where is that message? If hell is real, uh, the next thing I would say is whatever happened to hell. It's like it doesn't exist. We talk about being separated from God. Oh, this is more than just being separated from God. This is more than just dying without any hope of ever living again. This is a lake of fire that burns forever. In England... They were getting ready to hang a man who was an an atheist. And the old padre came and asked if he wanted to pray to confess his sins before he was hanged. And he said, no, I believe when you're dead, you're done. But he said, if I believed there was a real heaven, and if I believed there was a real hell, I would walk on my hands and knees across England on broken glass just to warn someone not to go there. In other words, you are doing a job here. You're professional. You're not weeping over me. There's no compassion. You're just hired and paid to give me my last rights. But if I believed... What you say is true. He was looking for someone who treated eternity like it really is. Eternal banishment and punishment is beyond my comprehension. But you can't have the devil without God. You can't have heaven without hell. If you preach on hell today, people are... Many people don't want to hear it. You know why? Because there's a lot of people sitting in churches and Sunday schools that are not ready to go to heaven. And there's only one other place to go. They're not taking the faith seriously. You better entertain them at church because if you don't entertain them, there's nothing to draw them there. There's no fear of God. There's no fear of where they're going to spend eternity. And yet when the Holy Spirit comes, the first thing he's going to do is put that fear into our heart. He's going to convict the world of sin and of unrighteousness. The great preacher George Whitfield that led so many people in holy revivals to the Lord. He said when when the Holy Spirit conviction comes on you, he said it's like a spider suspended by that one little little slender silken thread over a burning rolling fire and the only thing between him and that fire is that little thread and what he does is is he he pulls himself back up into a place of safety amen listen listen so many people some having compassion is going to bring them to christ but others 
are as firebrands plucked out of the fire. It's going to take something. I've had counseling sessions. In fact, I had a counseling session uh, last week, and it was with someone who had been to a to a Ph.D. I was informed. I go, I, I go to counseling to a Ph.D. that works with some prominent somebody, and I thought, that's great. That's good. I'm glad. I hope the Ph.D. can help you. All I have is the Holy Spirit. I didn't say that. That would be sarcasm, and I just thought it, and then I had to repent of thinking it. Can you say amen? And probably going to have to repent of telling it today before I get home. But I got a call back, and the person said I wasn't pleased with the Ph.D.'s counsel. I thought, well, I, I, I'm not surprised, because if he's just been taught about a little bit of Christianity mingled with some pop psychology, amen, then you're not going to get what you really need, amen. But if you get the Word of God, hallelujah, and you apply it, it's going to change everything in your life. Glory to God. So all I have is a Bible and the knowledge of the Scriptures, and hopefully uh, that that I do know, I can explain it clearly to somebody else. When I first started preaching, I didn't have a vocabulary. Amen. I, I didn't understand how to... I, I remember my first sermon after I got saved, and, and it was going to be out of Malachi. I didn't know why people were giggling. I stood up, and I opened my Bible, and I was dead serious about this thing. I said, I want you to open your Bible to Malachi, chapter 3. They all looking at me, and I could hear my pastor back there saying, Malachi, Malachi. And I thought, my name's not Malachi. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> it says it right here, M-A-L-I, you know, hyphenated and everything. And after people quit laughing, we had a, the anointing came. The anointing came. And in spite of my lack of vocabulary to express what God wanted me to say to people, but he took, he made up for it with the anointing. But I decided I needed to do a little bit of studying too on top of that. Amen. And, and, and Job became Job and Malachi became Malachi. And, and the apostles were not. I had to, you know, misnomer. The apostles were not. Uh, the, uh, the, the epistles were not the wives of the apostles. Can you say amen? Oh, I learned some things after a while. And God has been good to me. Praise the Lord. But we need a different view of Jesus. Not the lowly, lowly lowly Jesus, meek and mild. Christmas, I, I love the manger scene. I love to focus on, on God's love gift to us. But he did not come to lay in a manger. That is not when he showed up or why he showed up. Can you say man? He didn't come to evoke sentimental feelings in the church. He came, amen, to take our place on the cross. He came to grow to manhood and die a, a, a terrible, horrible death on the cross to purchase our salvation. And through that cross, in our behalf, to triumph over the devil that wants to destroy every last human being. Why? Because he, he fought God and lost. And if, you, if you've ever seen the cartoon of the, of the devil sitting on one shoulder and the angel on the other, and they're telling this guy, they're trying to 
woo him one way or the other. And then the devil and the angel get into a fight. And while they are, are fighting, it's just a give and take. No, when the fight occurred in heaven, the Bible said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven can you say man that, that's a pretty quick fight if you were if you bought it on pay-per-view you'd been gypped amen because when god said enough you're out of here as lightning as lightning comes from the heavens to the earth down satan fell that quickly amen this is not two equal powers that are in conflict this is a defeated devil and a victorious god and a victorious christ can you say man hallelujah that's why devils are subject to us in his name in my name because of the victory i've achieved in your behalf you shall cast out devils you will tread on serpents glory be to god Amen. You say, well, that was just for the 12 apostles. Well, he sent another 70 out, the Scripture said. I mean, no, 70 is more than 12. Math department confirms that. Amen. He sent another 70 out. And they came back rejoicing, saying, Demons are subject to us through your name. Can you say amen? That's why I love to proclaim the name of Jesus. I love to lift up the name of Jesus. Whatever you do, said, do it in the name of Jesus. I came here in the name of Jesus. If I pray for you, it will be in the name of Jesus. For when we come together in His name, He said, there am I in the midst of you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So God wants you to see Jesus differently. God wants you to see Jesus differently. He doesn't want you to see lowly Jesus, meek and mild. He came into Jerusalem to represent His humility, His commitment to go to the cross. He came in riding on the foal of an ass, a little donkey is what He came in on. But let me tell you, even then, that Jesus walked into the temple before He went to the cross. That Jesus, before he allowed them to do what they did to him, he went in the temple and they had turned it into a place where money changers were making profit, amen, converting this money to that money and keeping part of the proceeds. And when he saw that going on in the temple where the veil was and that, that holy place and that holy worship was occurring, amen, he, this was not a temper trap. He didn't fly off the handle. He braided a whip. Everybody say he. You mean this little kid, the carpenter's son, that we, you know, this, he braided a whip. He braided a whip. This is premeditated. This isn't flying off the handle. He said, I'm going to put a stop to this. And I'm not even going to call on angels. I'm going to take care of this myself. I don't know if you're hearing me today. Is this Jesus? They plucked his beard. He opened not his mouth. It's a good thing he didn't. Because he told Peter, he said, if my kingdom were of this world, I wouldn't need you to defend me. I'd call the armies of heaven. Amen. I'd call the warrior angels and destroy this world and everybody in it. I don't need you to defend me. Spurgeon said, I'd sooner defend a lion 
than to try to defend God. Amen. Why? Because God, God, God is God. I've had so many people re- come against me for preaching the gospel, come against the gospel that is being preached. Amen. And I never try to keep convincing them. I've turned them over to God. Amen. God has a ways and means committee. He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to get mine. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and I tell people, if, if you, if you just don't plain flat out don't want to serve God and you're not, you're not tired of sin and you don't care where you spend eternity, then you need to go and serve your master. But if you ever get serious about your soul, you better think about where you're going to spend eternity. You're not going to hear that in the average church. Look at somebody and said, we're not in one of them. Amen. You're not going to hear it. I don't care if it's a Pentecostal church. You're rarely going to hear that. They're going to have to bring in some evangelists that don't have to stay with those people that can preach it and run. Amen. To hear about heaven, go to a funeral. The church is earthbound. I remember we went to a Jimmy Swaggart camp meeting and why was it... where is that place where they hold it? Assembly of God holds camp meeting. It, that Waimamo's Church of God, this was... Anyway, it's in the outskirts beyond Plant City. <laughs> but it's still there. They hold meetings there. He was holding a meeting there. We went to that meeting. Some friends of ours that went to the meeting. That's back when the revival fires were burning. And, and there was a young lady who had come to Christ... Through that meeting and the last day of the meeting, he preached on the soon coming of Jesus, that Jesus could come at any time and not do violation to the prophecies of the scriptures. She was sad going home. Just had given her heart to the Lord at the beginning of the meeting. She was sad. She said to the people in the car that had brought her, she said, you mean Jesus could come back tonight? He's coming is very soon. And Everybody said, yeah, yeah. She said, well, you know, my husband and I just bought a house. We haven't been living in it but one week. And I thought, you understand, she's only been saved four days. But you know what's tragic? When people have been saved for years or going after a gospel that doesn't continually point. Every time we receive communion, it talks about the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Every time you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till He come. He's coming. Don't ever forget it. Hallelujah included. Every time you do this in remembrance of me, on the cross dying for you, remember this. I'm coming back for you. Can you say amen? Come on, we're supposed to be remembering that. We're supposed to be unto they that look, unto they that look, unto they that watch, unto they that look, he shall appear. Can you say amen? You can't be looking for him if you don't know he's coming. And you're not challenged to lift up. When you see these things that we're seeing right now, lift up your head. Why? Because your redemption. You're already redeemed by the blood, your eternal soul. But I'm talking about your physical removal from this planet is drawing nigh. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 
Where's the message? Where's the message? Where's the message? Where's the message? I know to be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I've heard that. I don't believe for Christ you can be any earthly good unless you're heavenly minded. You can't be earthbound. You can't be materialistic. You can't be dealing with just the money for serving Jesus. Who wouldn't serve him to get rich and never get sick? Who wouldn't be his disciple? Why did those martyrs and why are they dying for him today? Because what's at stake? What's on the line? When we trade the eternal and the spiritual for the temporal and the material, then we become earthbound. We become earthbound. I heard of an eagle that got rescued. I don't remember the poem uh, or the, the poetic way it was told, so I can't tell it that way. But the principle is a, a young eagle fell out of a nest and the mother obviously had been killed or, or something and there was no one to care for it. So a farmer took it in and raised it with his ducks. So he's living out in the farmyard And he's walking around with ducks. He's growing, though. He's growing. Actually, he's very comfortable with the ducks. I mean, you know, if you don't know you're an eagle, you can be comfortable waddling around with the ducks. But the farmer said he watched that eagle grow. And they were not in a cage. And the eagle would walk with the ducks and eat with the ducks. And they gave the eagle more, of course. And he began to grow and his wings become strong and the feathers grew in and, and he's growing bigger than any of the ducks. And, and he said, you know, I watched him and one day I thought one day he's going to realize who he is. And he ain't going to stay down here with these barnyard ducks anymore. The day that he realizes who he is, all of that is going to change. And he said he watched him one day out the window because said he kept looking up. He kept looking up. All the ducks are looking down to the muck around the barn looking for something to eat. But the eagle started looking up, looking up. And, and somehow the eagle began to realize, I have been raised with these ducks, but I'm not one of them. I wasn't created to waddle around down here. Amen. And, 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 and some, some, somebody put a poem to that story. Amen. Because it said the eagle looked up a couple of more times at the blue sky. Amen. And he realized that's where I belong. I don't belong to be earthbound down here. I belong to be soaring the heights up there. Hallelujah. Amen. And said he jumped up on top of he he jumped up on top of a post. He flew to the top of the barn. He took a he said, "You know, I can keep going higher. Amen. Praise God. Amen. He spread his wings and it looked like he was going to fall, but he caught an air current and he started to flap them and he continued to go almost out of sight. And that's the last they saw of the eagle. Someone wrote it poetically and I wish I had it to read you today, but it said, it said, I'm tired of being a barnyard 
duck waddling around in barnyard muck. Sometimes when I look up at the clear blue sky, it just makes me want to spread my wings and fly. I'm making it up as I go, but am I doing all right so far? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said one thing is for sure. He, he said he said one thing is for sure. Uh, if I if I never if I never if I never change, I'm going to continue to waddle around in this barnyard muck. I'm going to continue to waddle around like a barnyard duck. He, he said, one thing is for sure in the poem. I'm not the duck that I might have been. In fact, I'm not a duck at all. I'm designed to fly the heights. I'm designed to fly the heights. When the church gets earthbound, you better entertain them because the cross don't draw them. When the church gets earthbound, you better get people saved so they can get rich and materially blessed because they are not concerned about their immortal, eternal soul. When Robert G. Lee won thousands of people to Christ and he preached a message in revival and the message was, amen, based on the scripture, it's a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of the living God. In some churches you just hear about the loving God. You never hear about the God who is going to judge the world. You never hear about the judgment to come. I would not only say whatever happened to hell, but whatever happened to the coming judgment. You preach that today, you're, you're an antiquated, prehistoric dinosaur of a preacher. But there was a day when that message Brought many souls to God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Was preached. Whitfield preached. And it was said that people ran to the altar. You didn't have to get them to come to get rich. To get materially blessed. They ran, it said. They were under such conviction, they ran as if the fires of hell was licking at their heels and they were afraid they, that, that the devil would win before they could give their heart to Jesus. You didn't have to keep pleading. I used to beg for people to come to the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. I would beg, plead, I would do anything in my power. Paul said, this is so serious. And Israel, by and large, at that time is rejecting their own Messiah and therefore their only hope of salvation. And he said, I wish, if it were possible, that I myself would be accursed so they could be saved. If my being lost would save them, I would offer myself up. It's that serious. But he knew his blood couldn't save anybody. But only the blood of Jesus Christ can you say amen. That's why he said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. So if you're looking for lowly Jesus, meek and mild, you're not looking at the Jesus that came out of that tomb. You're not looking at the Jesus who is seated at the right hand of power. You're not seeing the Jesus that is coming back for us. Can you say amen? How many would like to see that Jesus? Hallelujah. Well, here we go. We're almost done, but here we go. Can't finish this in one service. Amen. Everybody else is already home. No, they're not home. They're at the mall. 
No, they're not home. They're at the restaurant. No, they're not at the restaurant. They're at the beach. Can you say amen? The earthbound church don't have a lot of time for God. So let's edit the service to accommodate them. For heaven's sakes, let's don't challenge them on Sunday morning. So God might have a hope of sending us a holy revival in a nation as desperate for it as we are. I need revival. I thrive on it. Hallelujah. Brother Venable, are you about ready to hush? No, I'm just getting started. I'm going to have mercy on you and quit after a while. Are you done? No, I never get done. This is a fire. This is a fire. It doesn't just go out. And you can't put it out. If you look at me hard, I'm going to quit looking back at you. Amen. You say, well, you're looking at me hard. No, I'm not. I'm just preaching the truth this morning. The average church is programmed laden. Entertainment is the key. Well, we got them in. Yeah, but did you get them to Christ? What are they going to do? Who are they going to follow when they walk out that door? Amen. Who are they going to follow? Well, they went to summer camp and came to Jesus. Some people really do. And you know how you know? Because it changes them. They live for God at school. Remember the Columbine massacre where a guy went in and killed all them? Remember the girl he came to, pointed the gun at her and said, Are you a Christian? And she knew if she said she was because of this hatred for Christ and hatred for the truth that she would be killed. And she boldly said, yes, I am. And it was the last words out of her mouth. Amen. Did you know what Jesus, because so much is on the line, did you know what Jesus told the church in in Asia who were going to be persecuted by the devil? It said the devil is going to persecute you. He's going to put some of you in prison and some of you he's going to put to death. He's going to use people to do it, but it's going to occur. People are dying for Christ around the world. And there are a lot of people in America that aren't even living for Christ. If he's worth them dying for, he's worth us living for. Can you say man? Can you say man? He's worth. He's worth it. What he did for you is worth it. What he did for me is worth it. Escaping hell. And living with Him in heaven is worth giving up this temporal world and this temporal life if it comes to it. And it came to it for her. And thank God she just didn't get entertained at church. She met the Master. And she had struggles with her flesh even as a teenager. In her diary, in her journal, she talked about being persecuted by her peers at school. And, and wanting to be accepted, there's a desire to be in the in crowd. And when you're ostracized, it does hurt you. It's a psychological need that all psychologists and psychiatrists agree on to, 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 to be accepted. We want to be accepted, and that's why peer pressure is, a, is something the devil uses so powerfully. And it's not just in the world, it's on the job. You walk away when they start telling the dirty jokes, and you're not one of the people. 
They asked me when I went to work for Tampa Electric, the end of a hot, long, hot day on a line crew. They said, we're all going to have a, a drink. There was a particular tavern that the Tampa Electric guys went to. We're going to have a drink. We want you to come with us. And I thought, see, I'm one of the guys now. They've invited me to go at the tavern and have a drink with them. And I said, I'm, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. I said, I, I appreciate you wanting to, you know, uh, have fellowship with me, but I can't go to a bar. I don't drink. I said, you can have a Coke. Devil will make compromises with you. Amen. To get you to make a compromise. He's pragmatic. He'll give up something to get something. What he's really after is your testimony. Amen. I said, I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't drink and I don't hang around bars. And, and then immediately, well, you think you're better than us. You're better than us. I said, no, I'm not better than anybody. But I have received Christ as my Savior. And did you know from that day on, some people respected me for that, and others rejected me for that. And there are people that, pur that purposely pushed my buttons to try to get me to fly off the handle. And I came close. I came so close because of the persecutions, you know, being cussed at and all of that stuff. I don't go for that. I'm little, but I'm wiry. Uh, there's a part of my flesh that rises up. Don't look at me sanctimoniously. There's some, you got a button, and it ain't your belly button. Can you say man? Everybody got a button. I want you to know the devil knows where it is, don't he? And he'll send people to push your buttons. And my buttons were being pushed hard. And, and I remember, I, I carried, I told my wife, I said, honey, we ain't got money to spare, but I want enough money for a cab to put back. They say in New York City, people carry a 50 or or $100 bill, put back mug money, mugging money. Chances are you're going to get mugged if you ride the subway. So give them something. It'll pacify them. And they'll get mad at you if you don't have anything and knife you or shoot you. So give them the $100 so they can go get their fix. They may go and leave you alone without killing you. No guarantee, but, you know. So they carry mug money. Well, I was carrying taxi money. Because I told my wife, rather than lose my testimony, I will call a cab. We didn't have two cars. She couldn't come get me. They had pay phones at 7-Elevens. I will walk to a 7-Eleven. I will call a cab. I will turn in my resignation at Tampa Electric. God will make a way for us before I lose my testimony. And it got so bad one day, I wasn't thinking about the cab. I, 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 the button got pushed, and I wasn't thinking about going and getting a cab. I was thinking about when that guy come down that pole. And I thought, I cannot do this. <laughs> I'm a Christian. <laughs> Brother Venable, he said, turn the other cheek. I'll give him one shot. He better knock me out. Can you say amen? Didn't say what to do after that, right, brother? Well, it, it ain't that way. <laughs> amen. That's a twisting of the scripture. <laughs> amen. I went around the other side of the truck, and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I thought I was more sanctified than this. I thought I could control that old flesh man better than this. I thought that old flesh man was on the cross, but 
he was only praying possum. I told you about the possum, didn't I? I don't even tell my, my dog. Let's, I started saying my son. We call him son. He's our other son. He's our, our little hairy son. Can you say amen? I said, <laughs> I don't even say, are you ready to go pee-pee? I said, you ready to go see the possum? Well, sometimes he's so, he, he don't want to go out in the heat or the rain or nothing to pee-pee. But he'll go out there to see the possum. He knows what that's about. And we get him outside. He has killed a possum three times. <laughs> He'd go grab that, that possum, go running. My dog can catch him. Boy, that, he'll catch that possum. He'll shake him one time and then look down at him, wait for him to move so he can really get, work on him. And the possum just turns over. I'm dead. You've killed me. You've killed me. I'm dead. The dog says, well, I killed that possum. Look at me. I said, come on, good boy, good boy. Leave him alone now. Leave him alone. You killed him. He'd go back in the house. Two months later, he'd kill that possum again. <laughs> kill that possum again. But you know, even the dog finally caught, figured out that the possum was playing possum. So there ain't no point in killing him because he'll come right back. He really don't want to hurt him bad. He just wants to catch him. He's not a violent dog, you know, uh, he brought, he heard a he heard a rat one time pretty bad uh, when he was young, and uh, and the rat was you know really not going to live, and so I went and got a, a two by four, and finished the rat off with the two by four, and the dog saw it. <laughs> I tell you, it took about six months. He he see me pick up a stick in the yard. He kind of whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you this in closing. I love you today. We're almost done. Amen. I want to see you in heaven. I, I want to see somebody escape hell. I want to I want to preach that in this generation when it's so necessary because so few people bother to go there because it's not what's trending. Can you say, man, it's not trending? This is not about what's trending. This is about what is needed and what is necessary and what is true. Can you say, man, you can never appreciate heaven until you understand what you have missed by not going to hell. You can never appreciate grace and mercy until you understand wrath and judgment. But when you do, thank God for the cross. You don't have to entertain me. Hallelujah. Just lift up Jesus and preach the cross and Him crucified. And I will show up. And the choir don't have to impress me. And the musicians don't have to wow me. And the preacher don't have to entertain me. Tell me more. Tell me more about Jesus. More of His mercy. More of His grace. More of His love my soul can trace. Tell me more about Jesus. Hallelujah. I remember at Sister Hobbs' funeral, I told Brother Hobbs asked me to preach with another pastor. And I said, if Sister Hobbs were here today, she would appreciate this. I said, we get all... We get all religious and we know all the religious terminology. Pastor of a rural church went home with, with a family that invited him. A family would invite him every week out to their farm. and So he went home with them. Mom was in the kitchen cooking. 
The kid had got home and run straight to the barn. Pastor had come in, sit down. Living room ran right on into the kitchen. So he sat down, was talking with the lady in the kitchen while she got the food together and talking with her husband. Kid come running in. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Grandpa said he would give me a quarter for every rat I killed in the barn. He said, Mommy, I cornered me a rat today. I got a two before, and I cornered me a rat, and I hit him, and I hit him again, and I hit him until I beat his brains out. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw the preacher. He said, and then the Lord called him home. It's easy to talk all that religious talk in that religious setting. Amen. But it's hard to walk the walk. But it's harder, amen, to not walk that walk and get on that highway to hell that ACDC made a hit song. I'm on a high way to hell and they were flaunting that fact saw the bumper sticker you know heaven don't want me and hell is afraid i'll take over honey when you hit hell you're not going to take over anything amen all of that bravado all of that that attitude is going to go when we near the lake of fire amen you don't want to wait you do not want to wait until you're laying in a hospital bed somewhere at home having some kind of major event in your body and you hear footsteps coming down the hall and they're not angels coming to take you to heaven like they came amen for Lazarus but there are demons coming to take your soul that is unsaved amen and without salvation and without hope amen to the 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 intermediate place before the we're cast into the lake of fire forever listen friend of mine we need a revival today we need to know about heaven and we need to want to go there more than we want to stay here amen hallelujah we need to know about hell and we need to say thank god amen i will never look back i will never go back the cross the 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 world behind me the cross before me i will not go back hallelujah and we get rid of the backsliding and get rid of the hypocrisy and get rid of the people going to church to be entertained with no conviction and no concern about their immortal soul i listen for that message i don't hear it i go online and go to church websites and download sermons And I asked myself, would I be convicted if I was lost in that service? And I say to the shame, to the shame of ministry, in many cases, I would not be convicted at all. Because I would not be convinced of my lost condition in that church. You don't have to just preach healing to get people healed. You don't have to just preach deliverance to get people delivered. Amen. We just preach God's truth. And God confirms His Word. Not parts of it, but all of it. Any part of it 
He doesn't say anything and apologize for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because his word is tried like silver is tried. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is pure. It is holy. Heaven and earth will pass away, but it will stand forever. And so Paul, knowing all of this, said these words as we close. He, he said, I've not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. The lady who follows us on the web that has rededicated her life to Christ. She said, I asked the Lord when I realized I want to get close to God. See, God's putting it in the heart. Someone needs to preach the truth. So what God is already placing in the heart can be responded to. She said, I asked the Holy Spirit in one letter that we have at home. I asked the Holy Spirit, where can I hear the truth that will help me get closer to God? And said, the Holy Spirit called your name. Now, she had been to church here years and decades ago. She said, Pastor Venable is still preaching the word of God as it's written without apology and without an ulterior motive to get symbols of success in a building and a building that says, look what Brother Venable has built. That there's going to be souls in heaven because Pastor Robert Venable left Tampa Electric, went into full-time ministry. Hallelujah. Praise God lived in a raggedy old house with a hole in the bathroom floor that we covered with a rug and told people, don't step on that rug, you'll go through the floor. God began to move us forward and bless us today. I don't live in a big old house today, but I live in a home where Jesus is Lord. And there's peace and joy. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. They used to say before you go into a ministry without a woe, don't go. Paul said, woe is me. I'm in real, serious, deep trouble. If I don't declare the gospel to you, woe is me. God's going to hold me accountable. I'm going to make decisions. Sometimes you will not understand. It's because God's not going to hold you accountable. He's going to hold me accountable. I may not do things the way you think it should be done, but if it's not unbiblical, God is not going to hold you accountable. It's not your decision to make. You can decide whether or not I'm worth following. Amen. And people decide that all the time. And obviously, there's a whole lot of people are not physically here. But there's people out there where the gospel is going said, I need this. I need this. I need this. And you know what she kept saying? Keep on keeping on. I'm 72. A lot of people done retired from this kind of ministry. But she's saying, keep on keeping on. This is helping me. This is helping me. It may not be helping someone in this room, but there's somebody. See, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
dividing marrow from bone and flesh from soul. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to have a revival because God is going to send that fire to the hungry and the thirsty. But if you ain't hungry and thirsty, I can't feed you. You'll just spit it right back up. But if you get hungry and thirsty for righteousness, what's going to happen? You're going to be filled. You're going to be filled with what you're hungry for. And that is to be truly right with God. Right wise with God. That's what righteousness is. Hallelujah. Wow. So I appreciated all of that. At our first pastorate, my wife taught Sunday school. It's Easter Sunday. Mom and dads are shouting. We had a shouting good time every service. Didn't learn much. Kids didn't learn much. My wife was asking the children, quizzing them, do you know what this day is? Well, it's Easter basket, Easter bunny. It's ham and good meal. Nothing wrong with celebratory stuff. But this is such a holy time. The kids didn't understand the resurrection. They didn't get what it's really all about. This is from Christian homes. This is Christian homes that have not been able to instill in their kids the importance of what Jesus did at the cross and what he did when he rose from the dead. The kids were looking for what kids look for. The fun part of this. When do, when do we have the fun part? You see a, a Muslim kid bowing with his head to the ground by his daddy. We went to an Assembly of God church before we came to Christ. I had known the Lord and fell away. My wife had never known the Lord. Teenagers sitting behind us threw spitballs at us. These little spitballs would come and we'd look up and they would giggle. And I thought, you know something? You know, I think I was, what, 20 then? I thought, boy, I wish I was 16. Why? Because they can't get me for hitting a kid if I am a kid. I did. I thought, well, just to be 16 for five minutes. You hit my wife with a spitball, you throw them at me and giggle in church. I know I'm not serving God, but I've got enough respect for God's house, and those kids should have had enough respect for God's house. We never went back. We never, the devil just trying to keep us from coming to Jesus. But I remember when I came to him, praise God, it was deadly serious the day and the night that I, that God got a hold of me and let me know what lost is really all about. So I remember when my wife came home and said, these kids don't even know. Raised in Christian homes and they don't even know what this is really all about. And I remembered the scripture back in the old covenant, son of man, I have made you 
a watchman over Israel. Your job is to sound the alarm if an enemy is coming to destroy my people. To give them warning. To give them a warning. To give them a warning. If you see the enemy coming and you fail to warn them and they are destroyed, I will require their blood at your hand. I will hold you responsible. That needs to be instilled in every graduate of every Bible school that is going to stand in a pulpit. And any preacher that doesn't feel that seriousness should never step in a pulpit, open a Bible, and claim to be a prophet, preacher, or evangelist. And every Christian that doesn't get that needs to wake up. The hour is late. And the soul of our very children is on the line. The devil wanted my son so bad he never let up. And God wanted him saved so bad he never let up. And I never gave up on his salvation. Thank God I saw him come in. Glory to God. And I can't wait to see my son and my daughter who are in heaven. And my grandpa, and my grandma, and my uncle, and my aunt. I led them to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. But there's more. He said, and if you warn them and they don't listen, they'll still be destroyed. Because they didn't listen to the warning. But I'll not require their blood at your hand. The Apostle Paul preached with that understanding of that scripture in the new covenant. I gave you the whole counsel. I'm pure from the blood of all men. And I thought, am I the only one that feels this? And so I decided to go online and go to local church websites. Churches that are full of people. Big youth departments. Something for the elders. We could take a bus to Dollywood. When the leaves are turning. Oh, I can't wait to get to church so I can go to Dollywood with a bunch of old folks. Lord God in heaven. And so there's a website and it says sermons. I just want to see what's going on out there. I don't get out a lot. I'm here. And I go to the website and I look at a sermon. I I want to hear what that guy's preaching. And I listen. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying if I was lost. If I was on my way to hell forever. Would there be something said? That would convict me of my sin and convince me of my need for a Savior. If I was a backslid Christian and I was living like the world except on Sunday, would there be something to convict me of that on Sunday morning? Or would I just walk out and continue my, my lifestyle that it opens the door for the enemy to hurt me and harm me and kill my testimony? 
No. When the answer comes back, no. I say, God, we need a revival. And I actually believe God needs somebody like me. Because who is going to tell you the truth? Who isn't just going to herd you in like cattle and herd you out? Doctors that take Medicare patients. My dad said he was talking with his doctor about something. The doctor was hurrying him out the door. And the doctor finally told him, I don't mean to be impatient with you, but they allot me 15 minutes per patient. In other words, I got to get you in, get something prescribed, make a prognosis and get you out because a big company, healthcare company is running this thing. The old country doctor that cares about the whole of your life, not just that part of it. He's, he's gone and they're being pressured to herd people in and herd them out. Pastors are being pressured today to meet budgets. They're being pressured today to preach what is trending, to get people in the building. And he didn't say just get people in a building. He said, go and make disciples unto me out of all nations. And the qualifications for a disciple is what? Amen. If any man would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So it's not what we do in here that's so important. It's when we walk out. We're about to do that right now. Stretch your hand toward me. I have this desire to see a revival. To see our kids as dedicated to the true God. As the Muslim kids, the Buddhist kids are to the false God. Wouldn't that be powerful? Someone said the heathen is true to the false God, while the hypocrite is false to the true God. Now we're going to ask you another personal question. You can take your hand down. Thank you for praying for me. Just standing with me. Amen. I'm going to do this with or without anyone in this room. Because I'm going to account for your soul. I'm going to account for your soul. I don't want you lost. The devil's going to offer you everything the world has. And tell you you can have heaven too. He's a liar and the father of it. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot. You cannot. Oh, people are doing it. No, they're not. No, they're not. Not according to Christ. They are not. You'll love one and hate the other. Or hate one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is more than money. It's everything the material world can offer. Because money is no good. You can't eat it. You can't. It won't shelter you from the storm or the rain. You have to have a home. You have to have a car. It's what it buys. It's the whole material world. Bend us, O God. 
There are people in here that have needs, and you're going to have future needs. I wish your day of, of, of trouble was over. It, it, it won't be over till he comes or we go home. But you need to get right with God. You need to do a deeper search of your heart. I hear people all the time say, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, have it. I don't, I don't need to apologize for anything. Honey, you better go deeper. You better dig deeper. You better dig deeper. I've forgiven everybody. After you dig deeper, you can say that, but you better dig deeper. I'm, I'm being a pastor today. I'm being an evangelist as well. Hallelujah. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is near. How many people in this room would say, Pastor Venerable, I want to draw closer to God. I want to get close to Him. I want to be thoroughly right with Him. It's more important than anything else in my life. Let me see your hand and let God see it. It's more important than anything else in my life. Amen. If it's not, thank you for keeping your hand down. Amen. At least you know where you stand now. You know. You know where you stand. And I wouldn't stand for it. Can you say, man? I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't live that dangerously. I'm too afraid. I'm a chicken. Without God shielding me. Without God providing for me. Without God covering me. Without God protecting me. I wouldn't want to walk out those doors. I'd want to find me a bomb shelter and climb in it. Shut the door. But one day I'm going to have to come out of that shelter. And if I die one day, I'm going to have to come out of the ground when I die. And I'm going to have to stand before this God that gave his son and this son that gave his life. Say, Brother Venerable, they're already having Starbucks down at that other church. They had a lot of fun today. And here you are wearing us out. Noah, I'm giving you something eternal that will help you not to go with the flow and be part of the falling away. And it's worth every minute of your time that is spent here. This is valuable. This is important because you are going somewhere forever. Will you stand to your feet today? Thank God for these hands that went up these hearts that came open. Hallelujah. If you were lost right now, would you be convicted here? Would you feel like you needed Jesus? Amen. Good. Hallelujah. That's why I believe God still needs me. In this day of the mega church, the trending gospel, I still believe God needs, I believe God needs Brother Taylor too. He's old school and proud of it because old school simply means to me, amen, I'm walking for that, on that pathway, the narrow one with the straight gate that leads to eternal life. I'm not part of the crowd on the broad way. Amen. With the wide gates that leads to hell. I'm not on a highway to hell. I'm on a highway to heaven. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Isn't it good to be saved today? 
Glory to God.